0: Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real-life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Now, as a psychologist for over the past 20 odd years, I have definitely heard more patients than I can count tell me about things that were said or that they experienced in their childhoods that definitely had an impact on them later developing an eating disorder. And personally, even in my own life, I can definitely recall very specific words and moments that affected me and really did contribute to my own beliefs about food, my body, and just myself in general. So when I got to thinking about this, I was like, you know what? The people in our lives when we're young and impressionable, especially those people in authority or in caretaker positions like doctors, teachers, parents, or coaches, you know, they may not realize the powerful impact that they have on us. And most of the time, I really do believe they even think they're coming from a good, loving place when they say or do the things that really do stick with us as we grow older. And I've said it on here before, and I'll reiterate it again. There is not one cause of an eating disorder because they are complex illnesses. Yet the things that are said to us when we are younger definitely can be a contributing factor. But again, so can many, many other things. Like the society and culture we live in. We unfortunately do live in a very toxic diet culture and society that values people who are in smaller bodies. And again, we unfortunately live in a very fat-phobic society whereby health is somehow determined by one thing, fitness. And again, I've mentioned so many things about this in previous podcasts, but the bottom line is that weight and health are not correlated. You simply cannot look at anyone and know if they're physically healthy or not. And it baffles my mind that people are doing things like taking medications for illnesses they do not even have, like diabetes just in order to have one of that medication's known side effects, which is weight loss. And usually side effects are those things we hope we don't get when we take a medication, but somehow not with those drugs. No, they're taking these medications, putting their health at risk. And I say that because now so much is coming out about how there are other negative side effects that people are experiencing when they take these medications. They're putting their health at risk just to lose weight. People are intentionally enduring horrible side effects and knowingly putting their health at risk just to lose weight by taking a medication for an illness they do not even have. And this is not really any different than other harmful things people do due to their bodies in the ultimate pursuit of losing weight. Things like dieting, which therefore doesn't provide their bodies with enough of the fuel and nutrition it actually needs to sustain life and function properly. All of this is because our toxic diet culture somehow has most of us believing that the weight loss is key to being quote-unquote healthy, that if someone is in a larger body, then they must be unhealthy, and that if they are in a smaller body, then they must be healthy. Like weight, body size, it is the ultimate determinant of health. But hello, (laughs) people are making themselves sick to be in a smaller body because they are being told that by being in a smaller body, by weighing less, then they will be healthier. Now, I know I'm not the only one who hears this and thinks this is insane. So why am I talking about all this? Well, we have some very amazing guests here today. And All of what I just mentioned very much pertains to what they're here to discuss, weight loss camps. Our three guests here today, Esther, Allegra, and Lauren are all now adults, but in their youth, they were kids who were in larger bodies than their peers. And because of that, they were told all sorts of negative things, felt all sorts of negative things, and all went to weight loss or quote unquote fat fat camps. The message was clear to them, to be accepted, to be healthy, you have to lose weight. You have to be in a smaller body. And I'm so grateful that they're willing to share their stories with us. You'll hear more about why they, why they each individually decided to go to camp, what they experienced there, and how going there affected them and still affects them to this day. Now, they have a lot to share. And again, I am so grateful for their willingness to be vulnerable and open here and be here on the show. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to go bring them on. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, as I said in the intro, this is a topic I have not covered before, and I am so grateful for all of you for for being here. And you know, for for people listening, they're probably wondering, like, how did you all meet? Like, why are you all here today? Um, so I don't know if one of you wants to kind of jump in and just share, like, how that all
1: happened. Um, I don't mind jumping in. Uh, I think. We all met at at camp, um, at different stages of Mm -hmm. us going to camp. So I know I started off as a camper before I became a staff member. Where I then I knew of one of them because she was also at camp, but did not become close with her or friends with her till we worked together. And then um, I also met another person as started off as my camper and that went on, but, um, we all met at the same place at different ages, um, at camp.
2: Yeah. I started off uh, my first year, I think I was 15. Um, and I was only a camper for a year or two. And I actually found out about the camp because a friend of mine from my neighborhood, they went to a co-ed camp and he came back like a completely different person, super confident. And, um, like the whole concept of like weight loss, like fat camp was just something I wasn't comfortable with. And it's been like a topic in my family that was like kind of hard to hear, but also seeing my friend go to the co ed camp and like come back looking great. Um, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot, but I only want to go to all girls. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't ready to really be in this co ed environment because of whatever I was going through internally. Um, so I started off much older and I then worked there for more years and like as um the um, she was saying we were campers together but in different divisions we didn't really get close until we worked together in the same unit and I believe it was when we worked together with um the other woman that's in, in the uh allegra who's in the chat with us who was our camper together. Oh
1: hmm. yeah I sorry so, I forgot I keep saying the other one but I realized like we did say because he was our name so sorry yeah. I did not use your names but yeah I'll <laughs> um, say yeah like before i'm like i'm like i'm looking at them i can't keep saying the other they're right in front of me (laughs) sorry about that so i can say my part all over
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay um just so listeners know if it sounds confusing there are three people here with me um sharing um their experience and their their time together um and um so i appreciate you saying that so if it sounds confusing there are only three other people on here besides me so um no there's not like this you know vast amount like there's not like 10 people here on the on the (laughs) podcast So yeah and this is allegra (laughs)
3: um my first summer at camp i was a camper and i think i was nine um i came to camp because my older sister was a camper and Just in the area I grew up, there's a lot of emphasis on body image, and I was chubbier, but I wasn't. I'm a parent now myself, and I have a ten year old, and I think about this a lot because he, you know, was a little bit chubbier, and I would never think about sending him away to fat camp. Mm -hmm. It's just so extreme, and all I knew before going at age nine was that I was a little bit overweight, and when I went there, a whole new world of possibilities, negative and positive, opened up to me. So I spent the summer there at age nine. For I think seven weeks. And then I went again at eleven because I made a lifelong friend who was my roommate. And we got into lots of trouble together. It was very fun. Um <laughs> I think that's when Lauren and Esther became our counselors. Bless their hearts. So sorry for that. Um and then we went back again together when we were 15, which was a fun summer. Um so yeah. And we stayed lifelong friends, I think.
2: There's definitely like um so like I was saying before, um, well, before we started to chat, I'm so sorry, but like there's definitely something to say that there's a really good sisterhood that is formed in these environments because we come from neighborhoods where there's like this stigma or this judgment or like you're not good enough or like no one's going to like you. And then like we kind of meet other females in this all-female environment. And it's like, wow, like you're kind of like me. You you, you look like me. And it wasn't just like these um it's a multicultural camp too like you had obviously like i'm spanish esther is you know uh, african-american allegra is jewish from jersey so like it was nice to see a mix of different cultures that were kind of going through the same thing and being latina from the bronx i was like is this something that i'm going to connect with with other people because i don't know like because we don't talk about it Really, in in my culture, at least. So not only did it create like these lifelong friendships, but like with that came this thing of like, okay, I'm going to lose weight. We're all going to have fun together, but then I'm going to go home. And I didn't really learn anything. And then I keep going each summer because for me, it's like this magical camp where like my true friends are and we have this true bond and I feel healthy and I'm supposed to be my skinniest and I'm meeting all the goals that makes all my people at home happy for me. But the people at the camp were happy just to be with me. And it was such like um, it was beautiful. I mean, like, look, we've known each other for decades and like time can go on and we reconnect and it's like nothing's happened. Like like time didn't pass. Right. Like the fact that Allegra says she has a 10-year-old, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know the same way. <laughs> so, Shit. I mean, was not funny. And like when she was a baby. <laughs> it's like so much. Oh my god, I know so much has passed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> After another conversation. But like no matter what happens in our personal lives, like that experience was there was like a dyadic um energy to it. So it's like I loved it, but I also hated it. And like even though Allegra talked about like having a 10-year-old, like I'm a therapist and I work in a residential with a lot of children who are in elementary and middle school. And different sizes and I hear the the still the bullying like the shaming of body and it's like my goodness like how do I work in another residential where I can now change the language around children who are different sizes different shapes you know like versus what I experienced in camp which was like you got to lose the most weight and then you get awarded the each week you know or so it was just I mean, I can go on and on. I don't want to take up the whole time, but it is definitely like uh, a weird, you know, I mean, that was my part of my experience. So I'm sure like Esther, I see her nodding her head and she's like, I don't know if you want to try
1: and <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I had different experiences. So I guess it depends on what more you want to know about camp and how camp works or like even how, you know, it does expose you to, uh, a binge restrict strict cycle, which I had mentioned last time, and also just, you know, exploration of eating disorders and not realizing what it is. But in reality, the environment wasn't realistic. You know, we're in this place where we are, I wouldn't say confined structure, but we end up following strict structure, right? So realistically, whether it's four to six hours a day of some type of movement, physical activity, um, you know, we're now exposed to diet soda, hundred calorie packs, the things that are legit restriction. So whether you started as young as nine as Allegra or you're mm-hmm. in your teens or you're 20 something as female, we're developing that's puberty, like all types of stuff that are potentially being stunted or we didn't get to grow to our full potential. Yet the one thing that we were taught and probably didn't realize we were taught was how to literally restrict and thrive off of that because at the same time we were getting praise and validation for the amount of weight that was lost. Um, depending on how long you were at camp, because camp can be two weeks or it can be eight weeks, you know, those who would lose more weight or not lose weight, but there was, um, you know, we had weekly weigh-ins where you get weighed in and your bathing suit, like that itself is um, room for shame or, Other issues, but, you know, at the end of the day, everyone knows how much weight you're losing or you talk about it and it becomes a competition who can lose the most. Or if you don't lose enough, you then, you know, aren't proud about yourself. Or you called, it just happened to be the same day we got weighed in was usually the same day you got to call your parents. So, you know, they're waiting to hear Mm -hmm. how much weight did you lose if it wasn't good enough for them. So these are messages that are actually embedded into us that we didn't realize. But at the same time. We're at this camp where we finally feel that we fit in. We may have been our smallest at this environment because now we're surrounded by, you know, people who look like us. So um, to me, it wasn't until after I left camp as a counselor in my 20s where I realized the harm that was done, not to myself, but the same harm that I was pretty much enabling for my campers. Um, so being able to see the beauty of like what camp did, which was obviously friendships um but also the harm that it did which that becomes lifelong and I've been able to see it through my campers and friends what that does to you.
0: well that's so I mean you bring up so many different um things my head's kind of ping-ponging so I'm just (laughs) curious for um Allegra and Lauren you know Esther was talking just curious were you aware that these things that were being done at camp were damaging or toxic at all and that you were learning like how to diet and restrict or did you feel like oh these are things that um are good for me or like what was going on in for you
3: yeah I think it's definitely something that I struggle with a lot and I've had to unpack over the years I personally um ended up you know a lot of factors but I think camp not play a big role in it I'm um, having a pretty devastating eating disorder. I was anorexic and I was inpatient um, for about eight months, um, when I was 16 and then did an intensive outpatient for another six months, then experienced pretty good remission, but ended up falling into the eating disorder again after having my son, um, and having to go to an intensive outpatient treatment and leave my work, um, for six months. Um, and then kind of ping-ponging back and forth, eating disorder behaviors, EDNOS, um, anorexia bulimia, exercise, all of the above, right? And so, you know, I went at age nine, and this is like a memory I have that I've recently was talking to therapy. I went just knowing I was a little bit overweight and not having much exposure to eating disorder behaviors or even ideas, how can I lose this weight? How can I please the people around me, right? Like Lauren talked about her parents and like how they would be really excited she was losing weight. And- it was similar for me, I think more so peer groups. Um, and I remember sitting in the front of where we used to exercise. There were couches there, you weren't really supposed to sit on them. And I remember hearing this one girl, she was sitting out from exercise because you take too many laxatives. And I was nine, so I didn't know what laxatives were. And so then that just put this weird little curiosity in my head, and I was able to find out what they were and what she was using them for and started using them. And I was 11. Um, and I continued doing that through college. Um, so just learning these behaviors. There is another thing Esther brought up about lay-ins. They were on Sundays. And I look back a lot to this specific thing because it's just so, I get so upset about it, I think, because it set patterns for me. And I don't think women should, anyone should think this is normal. But on Sunday specifically was weigh in day. And so they would do this thing called Sunday brunch. And that was their excuse to not feed us breakfast and lunch. We just only had one meal. And, instead of, and we were waking up ravenous. We were exercising for six hours a day in the heat, right? So Saturday, we had exercise. And then you have evening activity, which could also be an exercise in the heat, like capture the flag, right? So waking up ravenous, but on Sundays, we don't get to eat breakfast. So we walk the track at seven, right? And then we have to do all this waiting for weigh-ins because there's only like six scales in the whole camp so you have to wait for your turn. And then you go to brunch, which is not any bigger than usual lunch, really. Not much, if a little. And so that just setting another pattern for, okay, if I, I can skip a meal, I'll be thinner, less bloated, and I can weigh less. And just at nine years old, learning that that is something I can do and I can exercise before that, I think is really harmful without any education. Um, I could go on and on about in days, but even just hearing counselors talk about, did you do your weigh-in rituals? Like um, I had a counselor and I heard them talking about, well, you need to drink caffeine in the morning and uh, go to the bathroom, right? Don't drink any water. Um, If you haven't done that, it's not your true weight. So they would discuss if they had done the rituals and as a camber, I'd be like, okay, I need to do the same thing. And then you're being comparing yourself, you know, I was only a little overweight. There's girls that are using 11 pounds a week, right? I'm losing only 1.2. And we're comparing ourselves with no frame of reference. Um, It's just a tough, a lot of toughness there. I think, you know, there are positives and I'm only talking about the negatives, but it just impacted my life so dramatically. I think that it's hard for me to look back and see how that is a good thing.
2: Yeah, same for me. I mean, like just hearing Esther and Allegra speak, I mean, like I got like for a second kind of emotional because like I didn't realize like now reflecting back how happy, it made me to like call my family and make them happy to let them know how much weight I lost. And then like, even when I was mentioning earlier, like the strong bond that we made with each other, we were also like conditioned to compete with each other. Like speaking of the room with the couches, like even now, if I go to the gym and I see a stepper with like the the different levels of steps, I oh mean, my- it was a- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you remember oh, like, it was so bad. Like we knew how that we recited it, even like in the dorms, because we knew word for word like what to say, you know. Because it was so played out every day, and then we would compete with each other. Well, I'm going to do five steps. It's like, oh yeah, six. And like there was a director at the time where she brought you know mm-hmm. their her whole crew, and they were doing like ten steps and like or seven. I mean, like, I hope I'm not over dramatizing it, but right, like there was at least like,
3: the, the risers on the steps you're talking about, the right? Rise. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) this is this is old school workout routines well let me tell you on the other side like with from what Allegra was even sharing like I've had such an unhealthy relationship with food to the point where I'm just like I'm going to eat whatever I want like I am not going to restrict myself I'm going to love myself at any size and I've always been like a bigger girl you know and I never for me I was so like oppositional like about the food I mean even as a camper Remember uh, I was called the Ames girl. Cause there was like a supermarket nearby. Oh, right? Ames. <laughs> all the campers. Cause I was a bit rebellious. So I got cash from all the campers and I went to the supermarket and I bought a bunch of junk. I mean, cookie dough, candies, frosting. Like, like it was the most, like it was binge bags. I had like four shopping bags and I'm walking mm-hmm. back. Staff sees me and I just threw it under a car. Like, Hey, what's going on? And <laughs> they're like, you're AWOL and we see the bags under the car and I try to play it off so smooth. And of course they call my mom and I'm crying and I'm embarrassed or whatever. But like, there was like, there was no like social emotional learning provided with this. And that was really the key piece that I felt like was needed. Like mm-hmm. you know, teenage girls, like yes, we all are in this tribe of like wanting to fit in and wanting to feel healthy and like wanting to feel accepted for who we are. But then there is this underbelly of like, well, I'm going to compete more because I have more risers than you. Or I ran the track while you just walked it. Or I chose not to eat at the free calorie salad bar, which was literally like sodium free chicken broth and then like leftover lettuce and a few tomatoes. Like, you know, so like it was this weird relationship with food so that like whenever I left camp, and, like, even at the end of camp, there was a celebration of, like, we're all going to go to the mall. You're going to buy clothes that fit you now. Oh, but the yeah. big food celebration. And we were, like, oh, my God, bread. Oh, my God. Like, we get to actually have Diet Coke. Like, even trips mm-hmm. that we It's, like, you're given a soda, and you can either choose, like, froyo or, or a pretzel. A pretzel. Not both. Yeah.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> so, it, like, it's been, like, in public. Like, we were, like, taped off, like, at, at like, um. Concerts and stuff, right? Like they would have this like area, and then we were only given like limited foods. And it was just, it was this weird. Like I didn't know how to understand myself. I didn't know how to understand food. All I knew was I make my parents happy by losing weight each week. I have like the best of friends because we're all sweating it out together and I'm losing weight. And I think that's what everybody wants, right? That's what healthy is. And like as a teenager, because I was there at like 15 and 16 a teenage girl who like doesn't connect with anyone. It's like, I finally, like, this is what the social norm is. I finally fit in. And it was just, um, definitely now in my adulthood, like I find myself saying, well, like, oh, if I lose weight, then I'll be able to do this activity. Or like, I'm not going to like, you know, go out or buy that outfit until I lose a certain amount of weight. Like there are still some, ingrained behaviors that I learned there that limit me from like living a full life. And I mean, I'm trying like hard to not um, like allow that to take over. So that's why sometimes I find myself rebelling, like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to have what I want, like body positivity. But I still in the back of my mind, like, uh, should I have the Froyo or go for the real ice cream? Or like, do I really need like the chips? Like I find myself like restricting instead of saying I can have chips, but just not the whole bag. But I find myself doing such extreme relationships with food because that's what I was taught, and it really stuck with.
0: So um, Esther, I'm I- wondering, like, when you said, um, you know, there was this like restrict binge kind of mentality that was kind of when the Lauren was talking, is that what you were
1: like? Yeah, so to? pretty much referring to that and like even practicing with it for those who don't, I'm like, you know, with the steps and all that stuff. So where that comes from is based on our activities. Um, you'd have a certain amount of activity. So you're already working out throughout the day, but there would be like a free choice where you could swim, you could go to arts and crafts or whatever, but there was always a physical activity, whether it was boot camp, run the track, or do these step tapes or a Tybo tape. And most people would opt for that physical activity because that meant you were working out more, so you were going to lose weight more. So again, like even if you think about in the world of like eating disorders and what that was, like there was... So if there wasn't a fully diagnosed eating disorder, there was more than enough orthorexia going on or otherwise. Specified. So it was like, how can I overdo this? How can I compensate? So we're literally compensating to make sure, like, OK, I got to lose X amount of weight. And after that, it was the day before weigh-in. Like everyone was doing the physical activity because in their mind was how much exercise can I do and less eating before this weigh-in where I'm now literally going to have to discuss my weight in front of everyone. Um, so you know, even there, there's like part of that industry. But also, when you're told or you only can have the hundred calorie packs of froyo versus regular yogurt, the diet coke, which was like a treat, or um, what else did we get? The unsalted pretzels, or you know, a snack, frozen grapes. Like you know, I never want to see a frozen grape again because in my <laughs> mind, takes you back. They count counted out for you. And these are things where you know, <laughs> snacks a day and just imagine like after a certain time, just see a whole bunch of people but rushing to the snack line because it's like, oh my oh God, my like, oh my gosh. you also have to think about it or at least now I think about it, it. was like there was not humanity with a lot of things. and like it was no. just also even like going out in public, as you know Lauren said she was the Ames girl. Um, that being able to even just go out and buy the snacks, you know, we did have certain times of the week where we be able to go to the store. Now imagine in a town where they're regular people and now you're coming from fat camp. You know, you're kind of like going as a field trip. Everyone's eyeing you, but then you have to be careful what you get. So you could possibly sneak things back or not, but you're not even necessarily. And I get what the process was it like to how to acclimate yourself in public, but it's not the same when you have pretty much told people ages nine to 18, you cannot have this. All this time. So, you know, everyone either built up on sugar free gum because the one thing we were allowed to have was sugar free gum. But now, as a <laughs> and flavored water, flavored water, flavored that's college. your choice. So, now as an adult, knowing, especially nutrition, between in sugar free gum and flavored water, there's all those sugar alcohols and all the things, which starts to make sense why we were behaving or having responses with our GI system because of all that. But no one ever really tells you that. But, you know, some people also enjoyed it because that was also a form of laxative. Um, so some of these things that could be in this or not, it just brings everything. It it all makes sense in the end. But if you're not actually doing this work, it doesn't make sense to like for one, it might be normal, like, okay, well, I have all year to have fun let loose, but I'm going back to camp. And we all know when camp starts, it's usually like that third weekend of June. Um, I'm going back to camp and I can lose everything I did. Like, i well, I'll get back to being strict so it it goes back again so now you restrict for however long you're gone then you go back home you're kind of like on your structure come winter time you kind of lose control but it's also perfect marketing time because can't people come back like are you ready to sign up for the next year and it just continues to be a habit
3: I was just I was thinking about this as Esther's bringing up um the trips to the stores which actually stopped. they stopped doing that when I was a teen. Um, what, yeah, they stopped doing that. But I do remember the, the lack of humanity, because even for our trips when I was nine, that's when we were doing them. Um, we had to walk there and the walk to the store was far. I think it was probably like in the hot, in the heat. It was always in the afternoon. So prime time, like two or three, um, probably like three miles at least up up a very high hill. And then you, so you had to walk there so you could only get what you could carry, right? So you weren't even allowed to get anything anyway, but if you wanted to get the flavored water, still to carry it back a three mile walk and all the townies would honk at us. There was a a huge lack of humanity there. And I just think, again, ingrained habits for me for life, because I know it's sad to admit this, but I mean, there's been times where I'm like, uh, you know, I really want to go get, maybe it was like ice cream or something like that. I know I shouldn't, but I'll walk there. And I would. I would walk to my house to Dunkin' Donuts because it's a seven-mile walk, eat a box of donuts, and then walk home
2: seven miles. I learned that at camp. There's yeah. something that you said about going up the hill. I remember, like, an incentive for joining the 5K, or at least we've got... <laughs> I'm coming from the city. Like, I'm from New York. Like, there's yeah.
1: no huge
2: parks or, like, advertising for 5Ks in nature and stuff, at least, like, where my neighborhood advertised it and one incentive was like you get an extra breakfast if you do the 5k so we would all give in the trios cereal boxes and then after the 5k there was pierogies rita's icy like there was so much food so it was like if all i have to do is a 5k to get more food i will train every day just to get more food and i'm sure and then in this weird way the way that they like tried to bridge the gap of like communities of the town that we lived in with like accepting us quote unquote in the neighborhood was like look these campers they want to do a 5k for the cause of this small town let's invite them in but internally it was like you get extra food there's pierogies you know you get Rita's Icy and it was a free-for-all like no one monitored what we ate you know because we thought after you run a 5k I could eat anything I want Just like Allegra's comment of like, I'm going to walk seven miles for donuts because it'll automatically vanish maybe if I walk seven miles back. And like, it was just such this weird, I don't know, weird, weird relationship with the food.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hearing all the eating disorder stuff, you know, like earning your food, working your food Mm -hmm. off, like, and he's like negotiating. He was like, okay, if I do this much exercise then I can eat this, if I don't you know, exercise and I can't eat this or, just, oh my gosh. And like the people pleasing part. Just Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. You doing that for part. yourselves. Like, ah, like w- w- what was that like? That just calling your parents or like, were there, were there times parents were disappointed and what was that like? Like, what did you all see your experience? I'm just trying to imagine like the toxic environment. Like, ah. I
2: mean, like, over the Summer, like my parents were happy. Like I think at the end of the day, my parents just wanted me to be happy. I think they saw that I was unhappy during the school year, like whether I was ready to admit it or not. And when I reacted to my friend's weight loss, they were like, all right, like we'll send you to one. Like, is there one that you like? And I, of course, am more comfortable with females because of my own self-esteem at the time. And it was also air conditioned dorms. Like that was like the one thing that also sold me. So I was like, all right, like I'll go to that one. And um, but I I like pleasing them, you know, but then like during this, this reminds me of what I was trying to say earlier. Like they tried to do like throughout the year, like, oh, let's get together in like local neighborhoods and do a workout session. Like I went to a few of them, um, but it was like 30 minutes and like we all ballooned up. And it was definitely all about the early sign up or early bird special, like get your, like it was all marketing. It was never actually like ongoing, like once a month, like let's connect, let's keep talking about nutrition. And like, to be fair, like there wasn't social media back then. So like there really was no way for us to like stay as connected, but marketing's been around forever. So they definitely could have done a better job as far as providing like not only the nutritional education, but like the social emotional learning around it and like, just keeping that community of local New Yorkers versus people from New Jersey, or like, I know that they would do things in different states, but like, they should have really, um, grown the business and like, wow, they actually made friends here. How can we now, now that we've got their attention and now that they have a tribe, how do we make it healthy? But it seemed like their only way of healthy was money and like concerts and Broadway shows and trips and all this. And it was just like. Where's the healthy socialization? Where's the healthy relationship building, even outside of food? You know, and then like you're also conditioning us to please our parents about our body, about what we're doing, about what we look like, not about who we are. You know, um, definitely a lot of people pleasing, and that was something that I struggled with, like even in college or you know in my twenties, even in my thirties. Like that's definitely, I mean, like I better with it now, but it's definitely a really hard. Treat to like fight when like that's been so ingrained in you for so long and camp for me is like one of the biggest memories of my life and I've been through stuff I've have other like you know I have my master's I have a job and I have like family and I definitely like I've grown and I've got friends and like I've definitely had other big life experiences but camp is just something that if I have Alzheimer's, like not to make a joke about it, I don't think that's the memory that will escape because it's so just like part of my everyday, like my livelihood, how I eat, how I drink water. Like, I don't even drink soda or juice anymore. Like I can measure my water. Like that was another thing with camp. Like how many glasses can you have at the table? Like my, when I was a camper, like we would have water competitions because you we were told you have to drink a certain amount of water. And the more water you drink, the, fl- like, the more you flush out your system of your toxins, right? So, like, even to this day, like, all my friends joke with me, like, you're the water girl, because I know, like, different waters, I could taste different waters at this point. Like, I prefer Aquapana over Dasani, and they're like, you're crazy. I'm like, you guys have no idea how much water I drink in my life, right? Because that's just part of what's been ingrained in me and, like, how to at least be a little bit healthy. I think uh, another part of it. You talk
3: about an all-girls camp, Esther's talking about um, the lack of humanity and then Lauren touched on the socialization. And this is just my journey. So I don't want to speak for them or any other campers, but again, something I really have had to unpack and look back on. A lot of us were people-pleasing and came from difficult situations of various things. We've all been through things and you go to an all-girls camp that's run by a non-female right? And so you're walking around campus every day and that person is the only non-female on campus. And there's a lot of um, weirdness going on, right? And so as a young child and then growing up to be teens and 20s, that creates some sort of association for some of us um, with male gaze and just how to act around that and Them being, it's okay for them to completely judge your body because that's their job here, even though there's literally no um, qualification to do so by that person um, who's running the um, institution, as well as lack of transparency to those parents who signed their children up to go because there were a lot of professionals who lacked credentials. Um, you know, you could have a, a 22-year-old counselor leading what we used to call a rap session. So that was our one once every other week nutrition session we maybe had. No credentials, just there. Maybe they read a book, maybe they went online, because again, what social wasn't big back then, teaching impressionable children about nutrition, which I say lightly really wasn't that. So it was like, I remember one lesson where the counselor's like, well. If you go to McDonald's, you can choose. Don't get French fries, get the fruit cup. And that was the lesson. So deprive yourself of what you really want. There is no actual nutritional counseling. I think a lack of transparency to those who pay to sign their children there is just so harmful and so lacking in humanity when it's advertised a totally different way.
0: You would think there'd be, yeah. You know, if you're paying that much money, I would imagine, I'm a parent too. I would think, oh yeah, these are professional people that, are, that I've been my children with and, I mean, at what point did you all realize that the people in charge were actually not credentialed or knowledgeable professionals? The minute I became a counselor
2: myself and I drank the Kool-Aid, I was like, well, I was a camper. So like, I don't know if it was maybe trauma bonding. (laughs) Like, I hate to say it in that way, but Mm -hmm. I mean, being a counselor and seeing like, wow, like any of us can teach art. Any of us can like have these rap sessions any of us can like run groups at the end of the day before we go and weigh ourselves. Like most of us were in our early twenties, like barely done with college. A lot of counselors came from overseas or they didn't know like American culture, American food, American, like, you know, so it was such a, these are just adults that are going to take care of your kids and make sure they have fun and lose weight and, you know, not have them really focus on the real issues and we'll see you next summer. It was like, the only thing like licensed person we had was a nurse and that was like what part-time like or we had different nurses or really interesting nurses <laughs> like, that's been my um i don't know if anybody else like when they like esther i don't know Was that like when did you when did it work for you i cut off
1: when did it work for me I no
2: when when did you realize it like was did you realize it like as a camper or like maybe she oh. woke up to this before me. No,
1: like, no, I know no. <laughs> I, um, I went to camp. I guess I chose it. I saw it in seventeen magazine or YM, whatever it was back that time. So that's the age group I was in. Um, and I want like I loved camp, I guess to say, because what I went my summer of sixth grade. And I guess I loved it in the sense that I felt like I belonged and um, at that time, the weight loss was great because it was getting praised from others. So I kept going back. And then when I got older to go back as a counselor, um, it was still the same thing. But now it's like, OK, I, I'm in college. I think it was my second year of college. And I was like, OK, well, what's a job I can get? And pretty much was like, well, I'm going to get paid to lose weight. But I did love camp. right? And I still at this point in time, I wanted to go back. I thought I was going to do a yeah, bariatric surgery, all that good stuff. Like, I was like, okay, I want to work in this space. Um, and then the relationships built with the girls. I enjoyed it. It wasn't until, I mean, I stopped coming back to camp for many reasons, but it wasn't until pretty much realizing like the struggle with my own relationship with food and body and the disorder eating behaviors, where they were coming from. I learned that at camp, whether it was through literally, bonding with my other friends who also had the same behaviors and also just um growing up through camp. So I think I spent what, a total of almost 10 summers of camp. That's 10 years of my life in some type of camp like situation, whether I was doing the whole binge restrict because it was like, okay, camp is coming up. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna get back? All that stuff. But um I didn't realize it to after. When I started to realize like how harmful it's been it's probably like as I decided to go more into the eating disorder space, but it was also the reason why I got into this space. Um, I watched Allegra as a camper, but the period that she went into residential and IOP, um, I'll never forget having to like write her a letter and like sending her stuff like she's literally in residential. Um, But also to see her go through that, and then you know, there's her lovely son and all the things. But just to know that you're still gonna deal with that. But the thing with Allegra also. Um, I went to camp with her sister, like, you know, so I didn't start off doing like like I was actually a camper with her sister and Allegra. I remember when she was younger and then she actually became a camper, but it's just knowing like what it does do, um, to people. Uh, I want, like, you know, a lot of the girls, I can't say I've spoken to anyone that doesn't have an eating disorder or had some type of disorder eating behavior. Um, if I ever do speak to someone that didn't end up that way, that would be great, but I haven't. Yeah. Or I've seen it. And you know, some people may not realize like what it is, but we see like what it does.
2: Like even people like I haven't spoken to in a really long time who live like in different states or different countries even, like they all like ended up getting um not all of them, but like you could see some ended up getting the gastric bypass um surgery, or you know, you could see them still obese or like struggling with food or like, you know, it's just none of, I don't, as to Esther's point, like, I don't know anyone that ended up leaving that camp with a healthy relationship with food.
0: Well, and I was just thinking about that too. It's you're all talking, especially Esther's the 10 summers. Like if the camp was supposed to help you, quote unquote, with this goal of losing weight, then it should have been like a one summer deal. You learn to eat differently or have a different relationship with food and that's done right but like to keep going back tells me something happened when you went home like your relationship with food obviously reverted back to something else or was different and you know the fact that they were making money summer after summer after summer with all of you is just the whole of the diet mentality right diets don't work restriction doesn't work for every restrictive phase there's a, a compensation or binge phase right so obviously like restricting which you know you lost weight and they were encouraging that because they were they were monitoring that but then when you went home it sounds like maybe you could all speak to that what happened when you went home but it sounds like y'all went back at some point at least once or maybe more than that time because well yeah reason right
2: there was no psychoeducation provided to our Like, so we went through the summer, we were children, like Allegra was nine. Esther was there for 10 summers. I started at 15. Like, but there was never any psychoeducation provided to the families for us. So when they go back home, this is how you help your child stay healthy, right? So they put that responsibility on us as the children who are already people pleasers and already wanting to please their families. But that's a lot of responsibility to put on a child to take home a whole nutritional curriculum, change their home environment, like the parents, you know, like, I had both of my parents were working, you know, like we didn't always get to like have home cooked healthy meals of vegetables and salads every night. Sometimes like it was a late night. We're picking up a pizza because life gets lifey, you know, so there I can't control what I'm eating for dinner because I'm not the one with salary going to the supermarket. And that's not to say that my parents didn't encourage healthy eating, but they also didn't know how to eat healthy. I mean, I learned how to eat that way from my environment. So that pressure to put on a child to go back home to change their to change their ecosystem is so unfair and it sets us up for failure so it makes sense why so many of us kept going back year after year after year because a like as much as we learned we couldn't change too much of the variables in the environment and then b we ended up just not being happy because the dopamine that we got from being part of a tribe was so high in camp with like having such close friendships that when we went back to our communities it was like completely depleted. And I mean, I had friends, like I still socialized, like I I did have like a a good support system, but no one, no one in my community I could talk to safely about my body image, about food, about how it made me feel, about boys, anything. And that place was the only place I could really have like a sanctuary for myself. So in a way, like, did I self-sabotage? Probably. Do I still self-sabotage? Probably, right? But like, I'm still working through that. And like, I'm better at it now than when I was, when I was 14, 15, or when Allegra was nine, or when, you know, so there's so much stress put on a child's mind that's already stressed out. That it was easy money. It was easy money for someone to make. in the mindset that we were all in at different stages,
0: whether we were a camper, a counselor, or both. Well, and it doesn't even sound like it was realistic what you were doing, right? Like, how could you? Why would you even want to? You know, do all of you couldn't even do those behaviors? To me, I'm listening, going, that's just when you say healthy things, you know, like this one, not healthy. Who works out six hours a day? Who restricts that much? (laughs) I mean, you were children, as you said, Esther. You know, you're in puberty; you're still growing. Like they were really wreaking havoc on your bodies that needed nutrition and food. And, you know, you were engaging in like a bulimic behavior, right? You were eating and then like compensating with more exercise than absolutely necessary, right? Like nobody works out six hours a day. You were not going to go home and replicate that. That was, that's insane. You had a life, school, like, (laughs) right. I mean, that wasn't even doable. And of course, like When you were talking about like everyone eats pizza, that's normal. That's not unhealthy. But you were learning these things like that's not okay. Like they didn't teach you how to actually live in the real world and engage with food, normal food, actual food, Mm -hmm. in a way that was sustainable to have a life. Like this sounds like they were just teaching you to your point of like or like how to have anorexia, right? And I I think there's
3: something to be said for you know. It's just for me, I get really emotional about speaking about the actual habits and what was done to us as children, again, as early as nine, because the American Academy of Pediatrics directly um, does not endorse that. And so to even have a program that is offering that for nine-year-old children is so inhumane. And I just think it is so detrimental. And the fact that it is allowed to continue is, it's just not okay for me. Um, I mean, the American Academy of Theatrics. Like, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. So we, could, yeah.
0: we could have a, lots to talk about there, for sure.
1: Yeah. I think the thing with camp is, I mean, it's been going on for so many years, right? Like, most of them started in, like, 1980s. So, you know, the diet, the, you know, the ideal body and the pursuit of thinness has always been there to continue to be there. I think the biggest issue was, um, as you know, learned later on, diets are meant to fail, right? Within that five years, so like even if you got surgery, whatever case, we know that within five years. So just imagine going home within X amount of months. What's going to happen? But at the same time, there are people who aren't necessarily equipped with the right information. I mean, we were given a cookbook, and your rat pull you go oh, home with random sheets there, but. If you didn't necessarily understand it and, you know, we're not necessarily also thinking about financial literacy, like, how does, what does that mean when you get home? Like, do people get it? Like, do you even understand one space? So there's all these things that were never actually factored in because at the end of the day, these camps, the message is it's for the well-being, but it's also part of a money-making business, Right. So at the stake of making a living comes other people's lives, which now become potentially harmed. Um, Don't get me wrong, there's some people that loved camp and would continue to go back. And it wasn't necessarily because of the diets or the like. whatever the plan was failing, it was the safe space that camp also provided for folks who were getting bullied at home, didn't look a type of way, finally felt seen, finally felt like they belong, finally felt that they were the fastest person or an all-time sport person, the thing that they've been trying to achieve for so long and why they continue to go back. I continue to go back because it was a safe space for me. I was finally the fastest person and played all the sports in that space. Like, that was a place where I thrived, And I couldn't, like, my parents never understood why I kept going back. I mean, they paid for it, but they didn't understand, like, what is your fascination of going back to this place? Like, why must you go back? But I continue to go back. And then when I realized I could work there and help others, in my mind back then, I was helping others because that was the point of it. Um, I was like, why not? But everyone doesn't develop that or realize that there might have been some harm being done. Some people literally were thriving off of it. I mean, the, the reason why these camps are still running is because fat phobia continues to exist. There is that anti there is those with eating disorders. So these camps will continue to thrive or whatever that may mean but if they can run this long i don't think they're ending anytime soon it's just a matter of more people might be aware there is social media so more people are talking about bodies and harm and all those stuff that goes with it but at the end of the day as long as you're selling the pursuit of thinness it will continue to go on
0: you know so i mean that's probably a good place to kind of Have any last final thoughts about that? Like so for parents or even, you know, teenagers who are thinking about attending one of these camps, like what would you want parents to know? Or maybe what would you want, you know, teenagers or kids to know if they're thinking about, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. What What would you want to say to them?
2: It doesn't this sound is
0: like her. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Sorry. Like a... my initial reaction
2: was like, it does not sound like a good idea. It's just right. like it's so you no. Know, even though like I did share like positive experiences with peers and like um things that like I I am grateful for for part of that experience, but like the 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 cons outweigh the pros as much as I love these girls that are here with me. You know, like I I don't I would never send my child to a place like that where they are ready feeling like they're just not good enough to be in a regular camp with mm-hmm. other children in a public pool in a regular mall or doing things in an amusement park. Like I don't want them to feel secluded. I don't want them to feel like they have to go somewhere to change who they are just to feel happy. So ideally I would shut them all down, but I, I don't have that power. So if anything, I would recommend like if you're going to send your, um your child there, Make sure that there is a certified mental health counselor who is trained in eating disorders or nutritional health, like someone who's licensed by their state and has experience and interview them, get to know them. And like also you as the parent, like what's your relationship with food? I mean, my God, there should be such an intense intake process that is just like, what's your relationship with food? What does your home life look like? What brought your child here? Why do you even want to send your kid here? Like, I don't think it's about the kid. I think it's about you. And what's the narrative that you're telling your child? Then if it maybe makes sense to me, maybe with a huge asterisk, then I would be like, make sure your kid has a therapist and don't pay 10 grand. Like you could spend that money on a wonderful vacation and create home memories with your child. Because at the end of the day, your kid just wants to be loved and sending them to a camp with other kids that feel unloved. Of course, we're going to find love within each other because that's all we want spend that time with your kids, spend all that money with your kid, make your kid feel like they're unique. And I want to get emotional. Sorry. (laughs) but It's just like, it's so unfair to them. So don't send them to camp, (laughs) but that's
0: my, my final, my final thoughts. Thank you. You you guys have anything else to add or.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, in this day and age, like you couldn't tell me enough to be like, yeah, go to camp. (laughs) Or even you know, Laura mentioned like, oh, ask some questions and all that. No, it wouldn't matter because on paper they make everything look great. Um, I think we've all been fooled (laughs) on what camp would look like and what trained staff is there. um But at the same time, there's body autonomy. Like if your child really wants to go experience this, just realize that there's some negative things that could happen, and it could be the best moment of your child's life too so i really think it's just a matter of listening empathizing and support but at the end of the day um if someone is really wanting to pursue weight loss why are they trying to pursue weight loss we need to listen to that and understand where that's coming from
3: yeah yeah and i just think as a parent like lauren was saying you know there's so many things you can do with your child and i think if your child is feeling low to really spend that money on doing something to help them and love them at the same time. So even if weight is an issue, just being able to support them through it instead of sending them away somewhere to someone else to fix the problem. Um, And then I think if your child really wants to go, like Esther said, body autonomy, do the investigative work. Don't just look at a brochure, find out what exactly they're eating. How many hours are they actually working out a day? Who is actually watching them in the dorms? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's just, there was just so much in the margins that gets hidden. And I think I would just encourage parents, if your child truly wants to go to truly find out what that is, because had anyone seen what we were actually eating or what we were actually doing, I think some parents may not have sent their kids. And I remember some kids leaving when their parents found out what they were actually doing. Some kids went home. I didn't have parents who actually cared like that, but (laughs) there were some who got pulled out. Um, So I think- Investigative
2: work is important. I know we're like wrapping up, but something you said, this was a horrifying experience actually for like myself. And I don't know if you want to plug this somewhere else. I apologize for like doing the doorknob effect, but there was so much going on with staff like actually hooking up. Um, just and there were children who were also doing it. And I was a camper that I had no experienced sexually before and all I did was kiss a girl and it spread through the campus and they called my mom immediately and they outed me in front of my mom my mom and I come from like a catholic family and like I mean I'm I mean sexuality is certainly so confusing as a teen then you add like weight issues and self-esteem and like and now I'm in the room with hormonal teenagers and we're finally feeling good about ourselves and the staff are hooking up like let me see if i'm ho- i see your eyes christina i mean like, like awful oh my gosh like, i got out phone <laughs> and, and like my you know my mom was speaking to me in spanish and she was horrified and like cursing at me in spanish like unbelievable you know like and i was scared and i was like oh my god now my mom's mad at me and like all i want to do is lose weight so like it just kind of like the way that even the directors and like the leaders that were supposed to be like the the guides and the the healthy minded adults watching over us could you imagine if I actually was someone who was in the closet and I wanted to experiment and I felt safe here and I got outed over the phone I mean it just I mean I mean that's a whole other conversation and I don't want to like derail this but just the it was such so many things happen there that we didn't even really get to touch on, but the children, I mean, it's just um, the leadership is just like really at the final, like, like think moment, like if you're a parent, really think about who you're leaving your children with for like who's supervising your children and like, how do they have relationships with you and how do they protect your children and how do they counsel your children who are confused, who are experimenting, who are just trying to figure themselves out how dare you shame a child who's already shamed already? Like way to put someone back further in the closet if that's the situation, you know, but sorry, that was just the whole, I need to go no, on a rant. No, no. I,
0: I mean, I appreciate it. There's Like there, I don't think there's, we, we could probably go on for hours here. There's like a lot of layers <laughs> here. Right. When you're talking about like society and family stuff and, you know, diets and eating disorders. I mean, there's so many complexities here. Right. And. I mean, truly, we we could go off on many, many tangents. And I think that's why when uh, I first had Esther on a podcast, like I said, Oh, my gosh, we need to, <laughs> we need to have this as an episode, right? Um, and I kind of knew we were going to go on all these different uh, <laughs> roads. But um, to your point, Lauren, like, thank you for bringing that up. We didn't even you guys were at an all female camp. I can't even imagine what we get into for this was you guys going to a co ed camp. So. <laughs> um, my friend lost his Virginity at one that ended
2: up being on mtv mtv did a special back in like the early 2000s or late 90s um i don't know if i'm allowed to say the name of that camp um
1: it's that camp you can find it on youtube now on mtv yeah
2: yeah so like my friend went to that camp and he lost his virginity with a staff member and he came back like I'm the man. And we didn't know until later on when we were like in our 20s. And he told me and I was like, wait, that's where you lost your virginity. He's like, oh, yeah, because he came back like an Adonis. After that summer, he was like, I'm no longer a virgin. Like we we were sophomores, I think Yeah, I went myself. So- my sophomore summer was my first summer. And I've known him since I was in the third grade. Like we went to school in the Bronx together. We ended up going to high school in Manhattan together. This was like my brother. And ironically enough, not to end like on a morbid note, like he ended up having such a bad eating disorder that it led into drugs. And um, unfortunately, like he passed away actually a couple months ago. Um, But it's just like even that camp, like just set him on this like trajectory of like who he thought he was. And then it led into like eating disorder, even as a male. I mean, no one talks about men eating disorders, especially Latin men. He was Puerto Rican, you know, so just a whole God, there's so many layers to this, but um
0: Appreciate you guys sharing all of this. thank you. I mean seriously, thank you guys so much for being willing uh, you know to be on here and be vulnerable and share you know this this experience and um you know, I, I believe that people listening, I know that they get impacted. I hear um comments always when people who have their stories and their journeys that come on. It really has an impact on people who are listening. So I truly, truly value that you took the time out and we're vulnerable enough to be on here. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for the opportunity. It's really great to come
3: back.
2: Yeah.
0: This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.